Hi, I'm Chad Ryden from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Henry from London, England. I'm Chris from New York. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. I nailed that. That was awesome. All right, cheers. Bye. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of young America. Maximum Fun, Maximum Fun, Maximum Fun. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. In a second, I'll talk with Mike Clattenburg. He's the creator of the brilliant, amazing Canadian sitcom, The Trailer Park Boys. First, though, let's hear a quick clip from the show. In this scene, one of the titular boys, the perpetual screw-up Ricky, tries to convince a court that he and his on-again, off-again girlfriend should retain custody of their daughter. I just want to say that just because Lucy spent the night in the drunk tank doesn't mean she's a bad mother. I mean, everybody spends nights in the drunk tank. I've been in there about ten times. I'm sure you have and you guys have. And It's not a big deal. It just happens once in a while. The problem was she lives with this girl named Sarah who smokes a ton of weed, and that's what happened. When Lucy gets drunk, she's fine. If she gets drunk and smokes a joint of hash, she's fine. she gets drunk and smokes a joint of weed, she's a different person. And that's why she ended up in the drunk tank, because of Sarah and her little weed joints. And as for the open liquor, I mean, I live in my car. My car is my home. So that shouldn't have been open liquor anyway. I mean, you guys must have liquor around your house, probably all kinds of liquor. I'm sure you got liquor at your home. Cops play over in your house. How is that open liquor? Anyway, the big thing is... Uh, let's drop my smoke there. I'm going to have a lot of money coming to me in the next couple of days, which I'm not going to tell you how I'm making it, but it's going to be a lot of money. I'm going to bail my dad out of jail, and I'm going to buy a trailer. And he'll be living there, I'll be living there, Lucy will be living there. So there's going to be lots of people watching over Trinity, so this can't ever happen again. You know, if we just release her, send her back to her mom. Her mom is great, good mother, and that'll be fine. I'll look after her once in a while when she is drinking, but other than that, she'll be always watching her. My dad can watch her when he's not drunk. But tonight I'm getting drunk because it's my turn. She got drunk yesterday, and this is my day, so I'm going to... Get her. I'm not going to drink before I get her home. I'm going to take her home, give her to Lucy. Lucy will be watching her, and then I'll have some drinks. And so, yeah, I think we're, we're done here. And just I'll pick up my daughter and take her home to Lucy and get drunk. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program, Mike Clattenburg, is the writer, producer, director, creator of one of the funniest shows on television anywhere in the world, The Trailer Park Boys. It's a Canadian hit from cable television in Canada, born out of the maritime provinces on Canada's eastern seaboard that seaboard that now spans the globe um, and is currently airing right here in the United States on uh, DirecTV's 101 network. Mike, welcome to The Sound of Young America. It's great to have you. Thanks, Jesse. And you, I don't know if you uh, if you heard though. We're also uh, we're beamed into outer space to the moon. It's a thing with NASA. There's no one there, of course, to see it, but there's jumbo screens and stuff. So we're actually playing on the moon as well. That's great. Is it in digital? Uh, yeah, actually, it's a new format. It's ultra super Blu-ray digital. It's new. It's I mean, it's sharp. It's it's incredible. It looks great. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you're, uh, uh, it's not easy to impress a spaceman. Well, and there's, like I said, there's no one there, right? And that's the weird thing. So we look at it from other cameras and see it playing. So you don't get the full resolution, but but once someone, it'll be colonized eventually, and it's playing there. So great. Do you think it'll still be running when it's colonized? Well, um, I do actually. Yes, I do. I do think so. I think Trailer Park Boys will play for another 150 years. 
Great. Well, Mike, it's amazing to have a space broadcaster on the show. Thank you. And it's also really nice to be on. Now, you guys make the claim that you are the best radio network in the history of the world is and all radio. I don't remember making that claim, but I, I, I won't stand here and deny that. Well, no, I agree. I, I checked out the website, and I do think it's good. Uh, it, one of the best in the, in the history of the world. Uh, but I also, I mean, number two, of course, is CBC Radio here in Canada, and I'm in the CBC Radio studios here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you guys, we, we've got a lot of cool interviews with comedians, and you guys have that awesome theme to As It Happens. So That's right, and we've also did a great interview with Billy Bob Thornton you may have seen a while ago. So there you go. Well, Mike, um, you mentioned you're in Halifax. I'm here in Los Angeles, and I'm from San Francisco, and I feel like I have so little understanding of Halifax and the maritime provinces in general. In fact, I did not even realize that you have your own time zone. What's it like? How's it different from um, How's it different from the rest of Canada or, or, or the rest of North America? Everyone in Nova Scotia is musically gifted, and everyone in Nova Scotia is funny, and that's everyone, you know. And um, well, I mean. You know, it's a coastal community. Uh, I mean, there's a lot going on in Nova Scotia. It's not just a, a fishing town. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, a great group of artists, and uh, it's a great environment to uh, to be doing what we're doing. Is that where you're from originally? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. You know, I just, I just interviewed this uh, filmmaker from Orange County here in uh, Southern California, and, and this question came up, which was, was it the kind of place where if you're a creative person as a kid... Um, you make complicated schemes about how you're going to escape it. Um, and I, I wanted to ask that same question to you. Was, is Nova Scotia the kind of place where when you're a kid and you want to you know, be in a band or make a TV show, you're making a scheme to get to Toronto or New York? Um, well, no, no. It's mostly done just for the sheer enjoyment of it. And that's certainly how Trailer Park Boys came to be. Um, Nova Scotians, uh, certainly me and my friends, um, we try to make each other laugh all the time and, um, and have a good time doing it. Getting into sketches, spritzing, playing around like, you know, comedians do. Did you say spritzing? Uh, yeah. Like Henny Youngman or something? Yes, precisely. Um, so... No, you know what I mean. Like, you, you, Absolutely. You just, yeah. So, t- 10 years ago, um, was when you put together the company that made the first short film in black and white that the Trailer Park Boys w- was based upon. Right. How did it come about? How did, how did the idea for Trailer Park Boys come up? Well, it, it evolved from a, a bunch of short films. Um, my friends, uh, high school buddies, Rob Wells and John Paul Tremblay, um, we hooked up years after high school, and uh, like I said, we're the kind of cats that try to make each other laugh all the time and um i noticed that they were good actors and they're funny so i at that time i i had uh you know my first digital camera uh, a vx 1000 and uh we we would go out and play we would set up shots and improvise scenes and and bring it back and watch it and that was our our reward and we made this this short film called one last shot and uh we played it at uh, we entered it to, uh, in a film festival and uh, people liked it. We were terrified, and they laughed. So we got the bug, and the characters were kind of born in that film. So um, we we didn't have any money whatsoever, and we kept working at these characters, and, um, and we shot in a trailer park. It's a free set, ready to go, and uh, we just showed up and started shooting, and we made this, this short film, which we uh, then the next year entered into the Atlantic Film Festival, 
And um, we didn't expect to, you know, to do anything, really, just, just to play it there. That was our goal. And Barry Dunn, who plays Ray, uh, Ricky's dad on the show, he saw it and said, let's pitch it to a network. And we did. And uh, uh, First Network uh, didn't quite get it. They said no. And we were like, okay, let's go back to Halifax. Incidentally, we were in Toronto at that point. And uh, we pitched it to Showcase. And slowly but surely, they got interested in it. And uh, they were doing uh, their theme was Television Without Borders. So they liked uh, the language of Trailer Park Boys and how insane it was. And they said, let's go for it. And when you say insane, you mean specifically insanely profane? Well, yes. I mean, there, there, there really hadn't been a TV show with that kind of language. Um, and I think what they liked, that, you know, there's a lot of films around where people are swearing their face off, but there was a real color to the swearing, which is, you know, it wasn't the swearing that was funny. It's the way it's sworn. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, there's so many shades of meaning in, in the way Ricky says, you know, that word, the F word. Sure. That's one of the reasons I think people identified with it, because they recognize that people actually do talk this way. And uh, we were free to explore that, and it really worked for us. Here's a clip of Ricky as he's caught stealing cable. Who the fuck are you guys? What the fuck are you doing here? Hope you got insurance and shit. You can go to jail for a long time for this. What, free TV? It's not free. It's like stealing. Stealing? You guys are beaming a signal in this fucking trailer park with my permission, not me. So I got these little things that pick up that signal from space. How the fuck is that stealing? What, do you own space? No, NASA does. NASA? Rocket people, perhaps you've heard of them? It's NASA. The two central characters in the show are uh, Ricky and Julian, played by, as you mentioned, your high school buddies, Rob Wells and and Jean-Paul Tremblay. Um, Tell me a little bit about when you were making this, uh, the first short film and conceiving of what you ended up pitching as a TV show, how you developed these two characters and their relationship. Well, you know, when we did that film, one of the objectives was to make two of the most despicable characters you can imagine likable. <laughs> and um, and uh, that's what that film was all about. And a bit of a uh, – we were kind of satirizing the, the violence in TV and film a bit too. Um, we developed it that uh, – you know, the idea was basically that Julian had the plan and Ricky was the guy who, he, who always screwed it up. And um, they set out to, you know, some very basic, simple goals and they were criminals – and um, that was the genesis. You know, that's what started it. And then eventually uh, we added a new character, which was Bubbles. And uh, Bubbles uh, came to be, I knew Mike from, uh, from the band days. I, I played in a band and he played in a band called Sandbox. And I was over at his place one time and he, he showed me this tape of him uh, in a canoe with these ridiculous glasses <laughs> and this this gentle little voice, you know, that's what it was. And at the time he called the character Darren. And, um, so, uh, at the, we were green lit to go with the series. And then I said to showcase, well, how about this guy who lives in a, in a shed? I was trying to come up with some context for this character. And, uh, so they really didn't quite get it. So I, I shot a short film. I wrote a script called The Cart Boy, and we developed this character and changed his name to Bubbles, and um, and we worked at him and developed him, and and then Showcase saw this and they said, okay, sure. Here's Bubbles being visited by some Bible salesmen. You live around here. I live right here in this van with my kitty. I see. Have you read the Bible? Maybe I have. Maybe I haven't. What's it to you? Can you read, my son? Well, that depends. 
Can you go fuck yourself? Bubbles is a, such an amazingly absurd character. Um, you mentioned that that your friend Mike Smith, who, who plays Bubbles, wears these crazy Coke bottle glasses and speaks in this voice that it, at first almost makes you think he's developmentally disabled or something, um, and lives in a shed. But he's sort of the he's sort of the the soul of the show, and certainly the certainly the most good character. Yeah, he's the conscience in, in the show. Tell me about how how you can ground things with a character who's so insane. He kind of reacts somewhat like the audience might, you know, when 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 Ricky wants to uh, smuggle hash into jail uh, because he figures <laughs> it is a wonderful way to make money. Uh, he's the one that goes, you know, Ricky, what are you thinking? This is crazy. And those guys are his family, and Bubbles' family left him early on, and uh, that's all he has. So you know, um, the boys are criminals. And Bubbles really, he, he isn't, but, you know, by his circumstance, he's pulled into it. And he always tries to do the right thing, but the right thing rarely presents itself. And it's out of his, his um, you know, friendship and love for his surrogate family that he gets caught up in this stuff and, and ends up going to jail. Um, in fact, many of the characters end up going to jail fairly regularly in the series. Well, that was a nice bookend, we always thought, for the series. At the beginning of the series, they get out of jail, and at the end of the series, they go back. I need you to keep an eye on Ricky for a little while, okay? I want to go to jail! You won't listen to me. I think he really wants to go back to jail. All right, Julian, I'll do it, but don't you notice the look Ricky has in his eye, that crazy look? I've seen that before, and it scares me. Hey, everybody! Come on over here, please. Just want you guys to know that I am drunk as fuck, driving around town drunk, I'm on dope, and I want you to call the police. I want to go back to jail, please. Not only that, but I got a loaded handgun right here. I'm going to start firing this off. So please call the cops. We'll have more with Mike Clattenburg, the creator of the Trailer Park Boys, in just a minute on The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Production of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. If you've been putting off donating to support MaximumFun.org in this pledge drive, I have some good news and some bad news. The bad news is that you're running out of time. The pledge drive ends Friday the 15th, so you've only got a couple of days to give, so you'd better get on it. The good news, though, is that I just brought out the big guns. From now until the end of the pledge drive, if you give $10, $20, $100, or $200 a month, not only will you get our limited edition t-shirt, not only will you engage a matching gift of more than 10 bucks from a consortium of existing donors, not only will you get a Maximum Fun Kit, including your own Maximum Fun Club membership card, but you'll also get your very own Mustache TV. What's a mustache TV? Well, it's invented by comedian and Max Fun favorite Andy Daly, and immediately after this interview ends, we'll let him explain it. But suffice it to say, it is the single greatest party game ever created, and the only thing that can make the amazing medium of television even better. If you want to donate, visit MaximumFun.org slash donate, and be sure to stay tuned for the lowdown on mustache TV after the interview is over. It's the sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Mike Clattenburg, is the writer, producer, director, 
creator of uh, one of the funniest television programs in the world, The Trailer Park Boys, which is running here in the United States on uh, DirecTV's 101 network and is also on the digital versatile disc format, which you may have heard about. Ricky and Julian have such a sweet relationship with each other um, as they commit these, uh, just consistently commit minor to mid-level crimes throughout the course of the show. Um, what did you find in making that in making that first film about making characters who were swearing, drinking, and committing crimes uh, likable? Well, I mean, the dysfunction of these characters, I mean, they they really don't have any families except for themselves, a surrogate family. So, you know, at the center of it is is friendship and love and compassion for each other. And that's the only glue that holds it together. Now, that's it's so absurd in these ridiculous situations and the caring and uh, and the love. So and um, so that's what it was. That's what started to to make it all, all work. And, and uh, that was the foundation the show's called Trailer Park Boys, and it's uh, set in a trailer park. What made you choose that milieu, other than the fact that there was a, a trailer park available to shoot in? Uh, money. I mean, I, I had to. I financed the film myself. So you you write to what you have, and, and uh, you know, if you're writing a story about the moon, you've got to build a moon a moonscape, and it was available, and uh, it seemed right for for Ricky and Julian and their greasy cars and. And that kind of thing. The question that it suggests is, you know, do you feel like by uh, setting these kind of bumbling criminals into this uh, uh, working class world, you're making fun of the poor? Um, no, I, I, I don't see it that way. And it's not about that. It's about their uh, their friendship and their struggles. I think the and I think that's what rings true. It's not about making funny, kicking someone because they're poor. It's more absurdism. You know, it's not. It's um, it's not an accurate reflection of really anything. Well, we're going to smoke a joint. We're going to go steal some furniture for Julian. And I know just the place. The people are stupid, and they got the best furniture. Government buildings are so easy to rob. You can walk in here in broad daylight and take everything, and no one even says anything. How's it going? I just need this tea. Uh, wait, we're just actually about to start a production meeting. Yeah, no, there's new furniture coming here in about five minutes, so I'm just uh, going to take this get, stuff. Uh, just let me call my supervisor, please. Actually, I'd love to, but we need that phone, so sorry about that. Hey, uh, excuse me. Hey, everybody, just put the stuff down, please. Where just guys, uh, keep that guys, stuff coming right out here, where please. Where are you guys taking the stuff? Take no, 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 just, just put it down. You can't have our stuff, okay? Like, we need this. I mean, we're trying to get some Look, work. Look, I'm trying to do okay. my job here. Keep it coming out here. I need four loaders for the car. You, you, Who said you, you could take this stuff out of here? I mean, we need this. Paul or Jeff visit at head office? Jeff? I don't know. You talk to Jeff? Yeah. Oh. Everything's cool. There's going to be new shit here in about 10 minutes. It's a lot nicer than this Oh, we're getting new stuff. We're getting new stuff. It's brand new. It's great. Keep I it just, coming out this way. I just talked to Jeff and we're getting new stuff. Do you think that you could have? done this show um, in Toronto or in L.A. with actors that you cast from, you know, regular old-fashioned casting sessions? No, I, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so because it evolved, really, you know, and um, we did it for fun with a, with a, you know, like one or two-person crew most of the time, very, very small crew, and... Um, I don't think um, in L.A. or Toronto they would have, I don't know, the language. You couldn't have generated it there, I don't think. When did you first get the feeling that 
this was going to be more significant than just a tiny Canadian cable television series? Well, um, it took a long time because when the show first came out, it was uh, it was attacked by the critics. My friends said, "Hey, man, I saw that show you made. It sucks." <laughs> and uh, you know, it looks so cheap. How come the lighting's low, man, and the camera's all shaky? And I was like, "You don't get it. I mean, it's it's a mockumentary. It's supposed to look cheap by design. It's an amateur crew filming this thing, and it's you know, it was it was cops from a criminal's point of view." And uh, it was a documentary, a mockumentary. I think one of the, I think the very first mockumentary series on television, I, I believe. And um, so it took a long, long time because people hated it, despised it, thought it was cheap garbage. Um, but the first time I had a real sparkle of, of hope, I guess, for the show was after season one. I received an email, and I, I said, "That name looks familiar." A. Lifeson. Who's that? Alex Lifeson from Rush sent me an email saying, hey, I love the show. I love the characters. And uh, that was the first time I thought, wow, well, if Alex Lifeson, you know, maybe it is okay. Because the first instinct was, oh, man, we made something and it sucks and it's too bad, man. And you kind of, you know, shrink down and hide in the corner. But uh, he was the first person that really started to get into it. Then other rock stars started to get into it. Then I would meet an occasional person on the street. Oh, my God, I love that show. And then it just, in around season three, it just started to get insane. And um, then we started to get, you know, emails from Russia and people were watching it online. And, you know, it's this little tiny show and people started to relate to it. They started to like it. The thing with me is that I am smart and I'm smart, I'm self-smarted basically by myself, basically from nature and smoke and drugs and doing different things. I've self, like, self-learned myself. And that's the whole difference, I guess, is that I don't need the books or the, the schooling type things. I just get everything on my own, and because of that, I'm alive right now. I mean, if I read more books or tried to go on to college and different things like that, I'd be dead right now, because people say books in college are for to be to make you smarter, but they can also be for to be to get you dead, which is what could have happened to me. My brain doesn't use enough oxygen because I don't have... The whole thing filled with different stuff. And if it was full, it's only part full. And that's why I'm alive right now. Guards are giving here, you can read this book, try to get smarter. I'm like, all right, I'll pretend to read it. I'm not going to really read it because then my brain would be more full. And if I have another heart attack, I'm going to die. Did you have opportunities to, you know, fly to Los Angeles and do a punch up session on rush hour four or whatever it is that that Hollywood uh, superstars get to do? Um, well, we had a little interest, and it was mostly from um, some Hollywood agents who um, it, it came across their radar. Um, one of them was uh, Greg Haranjic from Endeavor, and he was the first cat it, very, early, very early on. Uh, some of his friends told him about it and sent him some tapes, and he came to town and wanted to check it out. And we did go back and forth a few times and, and met some, some big players and stuff like that. We were just kind of interested to, to meet us in general kind of meetings. But nothing really, you know, until uh, Ivan Reitman, um, towards season five, wanted to, to make a feature film. What was it like when you first heard from Ivan Reitman, the guy who, you know, directed Ghostbusters? Well, I was I was shocked. I was in, in a gigantic field of hemp in New Brunswick that we were, <laughs> we were using in... We were using in season four uh, as a field of weed. This farmer grew this this hemp for us. Uh, you know, he was he was using it as pig feed. So them talking to Ivan, my heart was pounding, and I was very very nervous. And uh, he said, "Yeah, I want to make this movie." And uh, he said he really liked the show and seen a, a bunch of the tapes and a bunch of our shows. 
so heart was pounding and of course you know animal house you know uh, twins and ghostbusters and and uh, meatballs i remember meatballs as a kid seeing that film and really connected and i really connected with that film so i was quite in awe of ivan what did you learn from making the first uh feature film trailer park boys the movie well, you know, uh, every time we make something, you, you learn a tremendous amount. Um, I learned about collaboration and, uh, um, you know, writing and uh, and traveling back and forth and a bigger scale story, you know, trying to um, preserve the vision of Trailer Park Boys. You know, our Canadian fans had connected with our characters and they'd seen us do so many outrageous things. And um, and it, I felt it was getting sanitized and, and turning a bit more into a romantic comedy in ways. Um, but just trying to keep, you know, the, it's a kind of a buddy picture type of thing to try to keep that together. You're coming to the end of the Trailer Park Boys. You've announced that, uh, the season, which I guess is airing or is just aired in Canada will be your last. And uh, that the feature film that you're currently making will be the, uh, the end of the characters, um, what's it like for you to, uh, to say goodbye to these guys that you've, you know, lived with and created with for 10 years? Well, it's bittersweet, of course, you know, cause it's a real family and we, we all, uh, had a great time doing it, but at the same time, you know, everyone wants to move on to do different things because we've been doing it for 10 years. So even though you do different stories every summer and all that, but it feels like you're making the same film, uh, for 10 years. So I'm kind of excited to move on and um, to do some different things and uh, take what I've learned and and do some do some different uh, films and and so are all the other casts. They're all involved in many different things. Um, but it's just uh, it's just amazes us all to see that how far it's gone. And um, you know we're just thankful to our to our fans, especially our Canadian fans who brought us to the dance. And uh, if you want to check out uh, trailerparkboys.org. Um, that's a fan group that uh, has supported us since day one and, and uh, really helped uh, get the message of the show out there. But, uh, yeah, so like I say, it's a little bittersweet, but uh, I think uh, for the most part it's, it's positive, too. We all, we're all all excited about uh, the future. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the San Diego America. It was so great to have you on the show. Jesse, my pleasure. Mike Clattenburg is the creator of the Trailer Park Boys. The show airs in the United States on DirecTV's 101 network with new episodes every Thursday night at 10. You can also catch it on DVD, and the second film adapted from the series, Countdown to Liquor Day, will be in theaters in the fall. Our special thanks, by the way, to the folks at the CBC Studios in Halifax, Canada. Now, before we get out of here, I promised you an explanation of our newest Pledge Drive mega gift, Mustache TV. So here's a conversation between me and Mustache TV creator and brilliant, hilarious comedian Andy Daly. Let's talk about this this mustache TV business. Yeah, um, this is this is really why you're here because you, we know that you're you're standing on the verge of you know getting you ended up no, no longer on Mad TV. Mm-hmm. And sure, you get work, Andy, but you, you're you're not a rich man. No. And um, you know you're you're looking for an opportunity to uh, to explode into the national consciousness and sure. also explode your pocketbook into the stratosphere. Mainly that, yes. And you decided to do it with this uh, parlor game, Mustache TV. Des- describe the basic idea behind the game for us. Okay, you start with a fake mustache that uh, you can get. Uh, well, when you order a Mustache TV kit, you tape it onto the television set, and you turn on the TV, and you watch TV, and occasionally. Somebody on the TV will wear the mustache, and believe me when I tell you, 
It's the funniest thing you've ever seen when it happens. And it takes a while. You've got to watch TV for a while before it happens. The best part about it is that there are at least a dozen near misses before somebody wears the mustache, and those are hilarious. It's a party game, and you just – this is how the game was invented. I had a birthday party, and a guy gave me a fake mustache as a gift to wear at the party, and I did for a while. But then at some point, I just stuck it on the TV and turned on the TV. And, I, I mean, a crowd of 40 people gathered around the TV, ooing and eyeing and cheering on the mustache to land on somebody's face. And it's hilarious when it lands right on the front grill of a car and it looks like the car has a mustache. That's funny. It's hilarious when it lands on a cat's face, like right underneath the cat's nose. What's funnier than that? This thing is nonstop laughs. <laughs> that was years ago that, that, that that happened at that party. I since came up with a whole uh, scoring guide. You know, it's worth a certain amount of points if, uh, if a world leader wears a mustache. It's worth a lot of points if somebody like Abraham Lincoln, who has a beard but no mustache, wears the mustache. Wow. You know what I mean? That completes the picture. Yeah. And, and people have just been telling me, you've got to market this. People have got to play this. <laughs> and it, it has caught on like wildfire. Just all over, People are playing it in, uh, all over the country, and I just constantly have people telling me about mustache TV, and then I have to tell them, you know I invented that. We are the only place that you can get Andy Daly's mustache TV, and you can only get it by pledging... Online at MaximumFun.org slash donate. Gifts of $10, 20 100 or $200 a month. You get their own mustache TV. That's MaximumFun.org slash donate. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. Our editor is Nick White. You can find us online at the all-new and very handsome and beautiful MaximumFun.org. The site was designed by Metalab Design. You can find them online at MetalabDesign.com. If you have thoughts about the show, you can post them up on our forums or email me directly. My email address is jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at MaximumFun.org. Okay, we'll talk to you later, gang. <laughs>